I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Autocar podcast, My Week in Cars, featuring me, Matt Pryor, and him, Steve Cropley. Hello, Steve. Hello, Matthew. How are you? I'm oh, really good, mate. It's nice to find us in the same place again, a different place yet again, but the same, the, the, you know, the same room, which is important. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, we are in, uh, for those of you listening, two days ago, we will have been in the Royal Automobile Club for an evening with uh, us, Classical Sports Car, and Simon Saunders of Aerial Motor Company. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. He's yeah, um, he's an extraordinary guy. He he keeps his light under a bushel, but mm. wonderful bloke. Achieved yeah. enormous amount. Yeah, hasn't he? Yeah, we'll probably catch up a bit with that next this time next week. Yeah, we yeah. Um, but over the next half hour or so this week, we're going to be uh, Steve and I are going to be expanding on our respective autocar columns, which means we're going to be talking uh, the Ford Fiesta, a lost engineer, cars sliding on public roads, ambulances to Ukraine, and much more besides, including your correspondence. Now you can write to us at autocar at haymarket.com or you can find us on any of the social channels. And Gwyn Hamer has done exactly that because the other week, remember, somebody talked about their top five favourite car, dream garage, dream, dream top five garage. Anyway, Gwyn's written in to say his is something he considers often and he hopes we approve of the Eagle Speedster, Ferrari 250 short wheelbase, Alpine A110, BMW M3 CSL with a manual conversion and an Alpine a B3 Touring. It's pretty good, isn't it, really? <laughs> but, yeah, but then he says, special mentions to the Morgan Super 3, Peugeot 205 Rally, Bristol Fighter and Lancia 037. So the problem is... That's nine. You that's can't have nine, that's yeah. nine. So you can't. That's yeah, yeah. the problem with the top five. Yeah, actually, you could have made it in around ten. Yeah. Couldn't even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we both know an industry bod who does keep a top ten on his phone at all times, which is a full time job. How do you do anything else? How do know. you do anything else? How could you own those cars? Because, as I say, you wouldn't get a chance to sleep. No. No, exactly. Anyway, Gwyn's a big mug fan, so that's okay, Gwyn, because a mug will be on its way to you very shortly. I shall ask for your address in a bit. But, on to item one of our columns because it's in both of our columns this week which is unusual but not not uh, but but fine item 1 is the Ford Fiesta and its demise next year yeah next year I, year after soon uh, next year i believe yeah. yeah quite soon really shocking i think it's been the demise has been brought forward from uh, from memory because they want to get on with making electric cars in cologne don't they mm. but it uh, the, the thing that really interesting for me because i wrote a, a piece 
um, just saying, well, Ford Fiesta, run its race, 40 years, nice work, Fiesta, let's move on. And then I got talking to a young bloke in our office who said, this is a disaster mm. for us because they're replacing a car that I think of as being 15 to 20 grand's worth, or 15 to 30 grand's worth if you count the ST, mm. with a car that's going to be fatter, heavier, much more expensive and for people that aren't like me. And, and uh, there is a... There, there has to be a concern in the, at the top echelons of motor industry for the people who, who buy these little image cars and who will be influenced in their later motoring life by the, the, uh, by the behavior of these highly characterful little cars. Mm. It's a good point, isn't it? It, it is, is a good, good point. point. Because we we've, we've, are losing or have lost some city cars that are not going to be replaced. Because you can't put the technology into them at the price, can you? You just no. can't. You can't put... Because a modern super a modern super mini is looking towards it must have a turbocharger, gasoline particulate filter, as well as the as well as the other stuff that it has had for decades, and then it's got to get got to start getting forward facing radar systems and everything else. This stuff adds thousands to the price of a car, doesn't it? It does, it's and just, all the weight, of course. Yeah, yeah, and the bulk. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the thing is, also I think you and I are not alone. We both have a bit of a, a weakness, don't we, for simple cars mm. and you know even despite the the top fives of this world you know my top five for instance would have some something pretty simple in there yeah, yeah. and i don't want to contemplate a world without some simple small easy to understand casual um you know apply almost uh, yeah simple transport mm. yeah and it's because uh, it, there's two reasons aren't there? there's emissions legislation and safety Legislation, which is which is making these, but uh, you know the, the the Ford Puma, which will become the entry level Ford, is effectively a case in point. It's twenty percent heavier and twenty percent more expensive than a. I Fiesta. keep rem- thinking of of something you wrote not so long ago. <clears throat> you were you first. I think you had a first go in the in the Puma ST, which is a car you liked mm. and a car we all like. But you said, I'm sure you said, the one thing I dislike is that this just reminds me that it's not a Fiesta. <laughs> It's, yeah, that is my problem with that car. Because it's quite good fun for a compact SUV, but all the time you're thinking, if it was just a Fiesta, yeah. it would be... It, it was one nice. of those sentences you always yeah. remember. And it's, uh, I, I mean, I've, I've probably borrowed the idea from Matt Saunders, which is, well, he's got the thing that he remembers from somebody else, from somebody else, where they say, somebody stops somebody in the street and says, how would you get to so-and-so? And he says, well, I wouldn't start from here. And that is my fundamental thing with sports SUVs in, in general. But, yeah. I don't know. I just I I fear because uh, say a I don't know a, a Toyota Igo or or its equivalents because they are destined to put out more than 100 grams per kilometre because they've got a basic manual gearbox and they're not turbocharged and all these things because all those things are simple. The idea that we don't have ranges with cars like that in and we somehow kid ourselves that is better for us and better for the planet. I just don't believe it. I just mm. don't believe. I'm I just don't believe that that's true no i just can't get no and if you're if you're a bit of a, a, a nutter like we are the problem also i also have with suvs <clears throat> and little ones hmm. is that the the styling goes away you know the, the, yeah. it's just more box and less shape yeah and yeah. and i find the only cars that are suvs that i really find myself tuning into are you know beautiful pieces of work like the ranger over i hmm. the rest of them just look like I don't know. Compromise. I hate the compromise. Yeah, yeah. And if you're, I mean, if you're, if you, hate need, the wrong word, but you know. yeah, I know what you mean. And we're I, actually we'll come on to this with a reader letter later. But 
if you need to do something, then they make sense. You know, I have a defender because it tows stuff, tows trailers. And but every like time that. you look out of your kitchen window, it looks lovely. Oh, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, apart from the old scratch here and there, but it looks <laughs> fundamentally, I mean, it, and the bit of rust that is appearing, but fundamentally, yeah, it's, you know, it does a job and that's why, I, that's why it exists. Yeah. And I've just walked here from Marlebone down to Pall Mall and the number of SUVs I've walked past, which serve effectively no purpose from, you know, they've got this ability within them, which is never going to be used. And when I don't condone letting down the tyres or anything like that, but I do, funny enough, I, I Actually, this is a column at some point in future for me. Somebody wrote in one of the national newspapers about how much they hate these SUVs, and I got very defensive about them. People in London, it was pickups, double cab pickups more than anything. People in London shouldn't have double cab pickups. And I suddenly thought, well, most of the people I know who have double cab pickups who end up in London don't live in London, but they occasionally work in London and take stuff in. That's yeah. why they've got that. So, and yet, to the same extent, I just walked past a Mercedes G-Class with Brabus mods and thought, oh, God, this is just disgusting. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, <laughs> so, isn't it? I don't know what it is. We're caught between two states of mind, aren't we? Mm. On the one hand, you can see the silliness of them. Yeah. But I do hate... I just don't want life to be too prescriptive. I hate no. people coming around saying, you shouldn't have this and you should have that. Well, I think fundamentally the difference is, is that it's... It, they come around saying that because they don't want people to have nice things. Yeah. And fundamentally, we want people to have the nice things that they just but would think should make better choices yes. in them. And there is a case that perhaps says, you know, maybe you do use, um, you know, more, you, you know, do what you can to use public transport in, in as an exchange for having that car yeah. where peak pollution isn't a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another reader letter, Chris Shaw writes about he's written to you actually hasn't he steve do you want to run me through it it's about the black and white white on black number plates yeah i was in a dinner the other day jacob reese mogg of all people bentley owner stood up and said uh just as an aside he'd he'd heard that black plates weren't uh, recognized by speed cameras and uh chris shaw sent us a photograph of a 1931 (laughs) sunbeam going through a uh but and for some reason, he'd, he'd received a photograph of it from the local constabulary. <laughs> he didn't say it was his car. Mm. Um, but, and we, of course, are far too polite to ask. But well, obviously. It, this car appeared to be doing 36 miles an hour in a 30 zone. And it was well and truly photographed, and you could well and truly read the number. <laughs> so that's that. Gets closed. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Uh, right, let's move on to another bit in your column, which is about Land Rover expert Michael Bishop, who you met the other week. Yeah, he, he Michael Bishop is a remarkable bloke. I met him at just as part of a, a Land Rover event. He's an Aussie, so instantly I like the guy. Mm. But he's he's just one of these people that grew up with Land Rovers in in, in his on his parents' farm in Victoria. He still owns the Land Rover Series One that he bought at the age of fourteen, imported it. He's Quite now working at Land Rover Classic. But very importantly, he's he's just had a life with Land Rovers. He's absolute authority. Not as well known as some other Land Rover authorities. But the thing that, the amazing thing that happened is that in his inquiries into Land Rover history, he started to find out about this bloke called Arthur Goddard, who was the first most dynamic engineer in the creation of the 1948 Land Rover. And Arthur Bishop, being a bit of an impetuous soul, um, worked for Rover for a while, went off to Girling, the brake company put disc brakes on the C-type, incidentally, oh. and then he disappeared. And he disappeared in, I think it was some, during the 50s, end of the 50s. Hmm. And Mike Bishop and a friend 
found this bloke in 2008, aged 88, in working in his own trailer business in Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> so he disappeared for, I can't do the maths, but it's, you know, 60 years or something. Yeah. And they caused Land Rover to bring him over a year or two later, and he, we all interviewed him and so on. And Mike wrote a book, which I don't believe has had wide enough circulation. It's called They Found Our Engineer, and you can <laughs> find it on eBay and all that. Sorry, Amazon, I think I mean. And um, it's a lovely thing, and I'm on it, Mike, to go to a real publisher and get it, give it wide circulation and proper mm. picture research and all the rest of it. But it is a great book and a great story. And Arthur Goddard, of course, had this razor-sharp memory even at the age of 90. Oh, really? <clears throat> now dead, died mm. earlier this year, 101. But a lovely story, and a, and all credit to Mike Bishop. And I, you know, whatever he gets paid, I hope he gets more. That's cool. That's really great. Does it? Is there a? Uh, was there a specific reason why he moved to Darwin? Do you know? I think he just uh, Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane. He, sorry. He, he, um, he. I think he's just one of those impetuous people. You know, he, he you know, became, became a ten-pound pom, as they called him, <laughs> and uh, liked it in Australia. That yep. you know, stayed there. He's, he's just. Just a bloke that followed his instincts. Yeah, that's really cool. I'll look that up. Is that in your uh, one of our Christmas issues? There is a book of the year, isn't there, that we have all got to nominate? Yeah, I, in fact, I've book. bunged it in in this column because I, I nominated something different. But uh, yeah. but uh, it is a book that I believe needs. Yeah. N- well, it it needs to be republished. You sort of bigger, more detailed contents of the interviews, and all that. But it is a it is a great story. We found our... It's called They Found Our, they engineer. Found our engineer. Excellent. Excellent. By Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop. Okay. Yep. We will look that. Cool. Uh, Shall we move on to my... A bit from my yeah, column? Yeah, let's go. So first part, first part of my column was Ford Fiesta. Second part was a follow-up to a story we ran in the mag about two weeks ago. This is a really moving thing, I think. It's really... A really lovely note. So, uh, so in the in the summer, a guy got in touch with. Uh, he knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew Andrew Frankel, who knew somebody who, knew, who put him in touch with us. And this guy called Simon Brake said, "Look, I'm raising some money to take three ambulances to Ukraine, and I'm going to drive them across uh, to Lviv, which is only about 40 miles inside the 40 miles inside the Ukrainian border, just inside Poland." And he said, "Would Autocar come and do a story on it?" So I said, "Yeah, that would be." Terrific. He'd already been once in the spring with some pickup trucks, and uh, he just—he was compelled to go back. So uh, the, st- the story was in the mag a couple of weeks ago, where I just tagged along. Um, I think I heard that you—you you did it before you actually quite confessed to the boss in the, of our company. Sort of, yeah. Sort. Of. Well, yeah. It's. I did promise some people I wouldn't stay in Ukraine overnight, but as, but as we met some people who were there at the, at the time. Um, who were doing, they worked for a, a charity which was distributing funds. And they said, look, actually, the safest thing to do is to, is because to, we went into Lviv in the morning and it was getting to the afternoon and I was sort of getting a bit actually going, well, I did promise I wouldn't stay overnight. And they said, actually, the sensible thing would be to stay overnight because the most dangerous thing, we're 600 miles from the front line, the most dangerous thing you can do is drive through the night, actually. That's the, that's the dangerous bit. But oh, anyway, we didn't stay. But it was, it was, uh, yeah, the opportunity to the idea was I would stop in Krakow, and then the opportunity to go to Lviv, 
and make a better story of it came up. Which and, it, and you took loads of stuff too, didn't you? Yeah, it is, so they were filled with medical aid, basically from vitamin tablets through to these uh, individual first aid kits, which are sort of trauma first aid kits for frontline soldiers, that, are, that are, you know, three boxes of those. Um, and that was why this guy, Simon Brake, wanted to go to the charity itself and meet the guy who's distributing it, because it's expensive stuff, you know, and the black market for this sort of thing. And, you know, any time there's war and conflict, then... You know, exploitation is not far of course, away yeah. from it as well. So anyway, about uh, middle of last week, um, a text came through to this sort of group chat that we're on from a Ukrainian expat, which uh, is a copy of a note of thanks from the town hall in Orykiv, which is, I'm going to say that wrong, but it's in the uh, Zaporizhia region, which is, region, which is deep in Ukraine's southeast, which is basically where the front line is right now. So it's a town of 15,000 people, which is now 2,000 people because most of them evacuated. 70% of the town, they estimate, has been destroyed completely. And if you search for it online at the moment, and there is, you know, there is footage from locals, and it is devastating. But mm. even so, the town hall has, has sent a note of thanks saying, yes, we have one of your ambulances, and it is doing the rounds. What a great bunch of people. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic, uh, okay. you know, that they've taken the time to do that. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, really... Uh, yeah, real fantastic really to know the vehicles it. being used yeah, properly too. Totally, yeah, totally. Because it's yes, it's nice to know that it does end up where it should do. Ah, well done, and, you. Uh, mate. That's yeah, well, the brilliant. Story's, the story's better for going all that way, I think. So yeah, it was, it was, it was worth it. And How so, was it, by the way? Was it, was it, a, was it a kind of um, bit of a grim trip or no? It was, it was rolled along a, all right. It was rolled along fine. So it was Simon and a bunch of his, a bunch of people he sort of knew or half knew who, who said, yeah, we've got. It's a bunch of middle-aged blokes basically saying, yeah, we've got five days to spare over a weekend and a bit to drive to Krakow and then and then fly back and yeah then we went on and delivered the last you know the last the last day and then came back the next day it's long I mean it's a long drive but it's just a, a road trip and if somebody said would you go back and do it tomorrow yeah absolutely it just it's it's busy it's just driving across the European van it's easy really yeah. it's only the last bit which is there's a bit of paperwork in the last bit if you are trying to if you are so I had it easy. Simon, who was organising it, has got to do so much paperwork because you need export certificates. You need the V5s for the, all these vans. Then when you get them, you've got, well, you've got to buy them and make sure that they're kosher in the first place. And then you've got to, you know, you've, it's just paperwork upon paperwork upon paperwork. And you, the, the Polish to Ukraine border is the long bit. But that was only about 45 minutes yeah, yeah. to get three vehicles through. It was pretty good going, isn't it, I think? Oh, well, well done, Simon. Well done, you. Yeah, he was, uh, he's a terrific bloke. He wants to do it again, actually. So he is going to. He is starting a, a round of funding. Where do you find an ambulance? More. There's people who do them. So there's a, he got them from a guy called Special Specialist Vehicle Services, I think, which is in Dudley. And they specialise in ambulances. So there's, there tends to be a sort of fleet that will run them for the first two or three years. And then they'll go on to a secondary fleet, and that's what this guy runs them on. And then when they get to about seven More or eight affordable. years old, yeah, they're about six and a half grand. Yeah, uh, sort of ten story. years old or whatever. Brilliant. So, yeah, it was really, really cool, really cool thing. But anyway, he wants to do it again. So you can get in touch with us at autocar at haymarket.com, and I'll put you in touch with him if you think you can help in any way. Right, we're going to take a short advertising break, and then we'll be right back. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So welcome back to My Week in Cars with me and Steve Cropley. You can reach us on autocar at haymarket.com. And Keith Godber has done exactly that. He says, I need a vehicle capable of towing two and a half ton caravan. So sadly, I've had to resort to a diesel Range Rover or an Audi SQ7 to necessitate moving it. EVs don't cut the mustard, although Alco, the caravan chassis people, did reveal a chassis with a battery and motor to self-power it, um, extending the range. I'm not sure this would work on big touring car vans. I think he's probably got a point there, hasn't he? He has. It strikes me, though, that you know a halfway house might be some sort of hybrid, You know, mm. so because Land Rover, as we know, are making their... Top end cars with a, <clears throat> you know, plug in hybrids now with yeah. a 70 mile range, which would allow you to do emissions free, quite a lot of emissions free driving and still deploy the 400 horsepower or whatever yeah. you need. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, um, you could go around most of the week. And the other thing is that what, what he, I think, is pointing up is, a, is an ultimate um, demand for hydrogen, larger hydrogen, or, or for the larger vehicle to be hydrogen powered. Mm. Yeah, or that ability, isn't yeah. it? I think, yeah. yeah. We'll probably touch on this in another pod, won't we, the, the hydrogen future. Which Undoubtedly, yeah. yeah. I don't like the, what I don't like about it is the argument that you are wrong if you advocate for one or the other, because we've talked about this before. Yeah, it's, it's not so, it? well, well, the, the, Even the protagonists say that they're, the, you know, they're both electric cars, it's just a matter of hmm. how the ergs get generated, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But yes, yeah. For me, uh, for now, Keith. Uh, one, have a mug. Uh, but two, uh, yeah, stick to the uh, diesel Range Rover or Rescue Seven, or a plug-in when the time when the time comes. Uh, your next column item, Steve. Mazda MX fives oh, on roundabouts. Yeah. I was really taken with this bloke. The, the, I was following this guy, two hundred and seventy degrees round a big roundabout, and he just sort of slid the car all the way. But power slid, <laughs> but gen, sort of gentle. Not not a big lurid slide. Not doing it for the punter at all. He was mm. just doing it because, he, you know, he just felt like feeling the limit of grip. And when he got to, to the third exit, as it was, he just neatly corrected and zipped down the the, the exit. And what what I really liked was the uh, was was a sort of absence of drama. Really, I mean, it was a great advert for the car, mm. which can, as you and I know, can do it. Which one but was it? Was it a, a newish one? It was a newish one, oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, it was pretty similar to the one I just sold, a 15-plate, you know, two-litre. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, the, the thing is, he wasn't playing to the crowd at all. He was just having a, just enjoying the car. And I thought, hmm, that's a bit thick, you know, sliding a car. And, you know, because well, yeah. as we know, cars have got pretty high limits. Mm. But it was wet. 
the car's got a slippery diff. Yeah. He, and he just did it so neatly with a with a, you know, he, he obviously did it all the time. That was pretty clear. <laughs> so I thought, well done, mate. You know, yeah. nice work. It is funny though, isn't it? When you see it, you think, oh, I don't know how. I don't quite know how to feel about it. When yeah. I see cars driven enthusiastically on the road, sometimes you sort of go, oh, well, maybe is that right? Is that all right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess the, the the thing is, you don't want to shatter the, you know, to sort of sort of tear the law right open, do you? And, no, exactly. and also, you don't want to cause offence to other people but mm. beyond that um, I think a bit of exuberance isn't too bad yeah exactly especially if it's neatly I mean, done like that not it's unknown neatly. to us after all is well it? exactly yeah exactly we try not to on video because it just looks looks pretty bad doesn't it yeah on the course. road you can, and also in, in stills photos you can fudge it so it looks much more dramatic than it yeah. actually is that's what I was thinking yeah 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 you can make a car look like it's going a million miles an hour when it's not to be it's pushed down the road <laughs> by a photographer with a with a tow rope yeah <laughs> um and uh, right, so one more bit I reckon we've got time for from your column, which is uh, we might have to write, we might have room for two actually. Uh, car cleaning from a dealer. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I mean, this is a slight item, isn't it? But well, took, still, it's it, customer service, mate. It's, it's not took, irrelevant, is it? No, sorry, I, I I seem to have a really nice relationship with the local mini dealer. Hmm. We bought a car there, you know, a sort of ex lockdown car. Should have it was one of these cars that was a couple of years old. Should have done you know, 15 or 20, and instead it had done three or four or six or something because the owner had been locked down. Mm. It's my Mrs. Delight, um, and it came off for service. She does quite a lot of miles up and down the M4. And I took it over there, and despite the fact that only what needed to be done would cost 134 quid, which is nothing, I feel, mm. They cleaned it inside and out, and it was such a lovely feeling. And she hadn't seen, you know, I got back in, in the dark. She got in it the next day. We're driving, I'm driving down the road. The phone goes, and she says, isn't it great to have a clean car? And and it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is, especially, especially a surprise clean car. That's nice. Yeah, it? yeah. Because you might spend, well, how much would some, you know, a hand car wash could be 30 quid, couldn't it? 20, yeah, easy. Quid. So it's actually, you know, it's not an insignificant amount of time and trouble no. taken. We, on the other hand, find ourselves in half-clean cars all the time, don't we? Because cars have to be cleaned for photographs. Yeah. yeah. But what we tend to do is clean one side and not the other. Which bit will you see? <laughs> which which wheel are you going to do a detail of? This is a secret. We shouldn't be letting this no, out, exactly. should we? No, the other side, question. ladies and gentlemen, is dirty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my, my heart sinks slightly when I say, which side do you want? And the photographer will say, well, both at some point. <laughs> because I want to do the front right of that side and the rear and the rear left in a minute. Is it? Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, What's your preferred cleaning? Uh, cleaning. I'm a bit of a fan of the microfiber cloth and oh, uh, some kind of some kind of kit. Some Mind kind you, of that that thing that wash. you see that that's like a it's it's kind of like an extended windscreen wiper with a you run across these. Oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a sort of a wooden backing and a, a sort of don't know what it you know, rubberized like a squeegee. Gizmo. It's like yeah, and, yeah. You, and you just rub it over the car and somehow all the um, all the water goes away. Yeah. One of our photographers used to detach a windscreen wiper and do did, it, didn't he? Did, yeah, and did. it was that was pretty effective. It's too. really handy, that. Yeah, it's really handy, and it is amazing how quickly you can make a car if you really need to in a bit of a yeah a hurry. But, but it, and it, it was always interesting which bits work. You know, wheels and glass, old boy. It was, that's the, I believe, the used car uh, um, traders. Uh, uh, Secret. Oh, really? Make yeah. sure the glass... And wheels, wheels and glass. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Didn't know that. Focus on that. <laughs> uh, black cars are a problem to photograph. Problem. Yeah, problem. Um, right, we've got time for one more, I reckon. 
Uh, well, your choice, Steve. We can talk about uh, the 70 mile an hour speed limit on motorways or our kingdom for an airfield. Although we have touched about the airfield before. Have we? So I can't remember that. Maybe. Terrible memory, is he? No, no I was just rattling on about but the, the demise of Liz Truss. Not, uh, you know, the, column, uh, the columns are not full of regrets, but, um, uh, but the one thing she seemed to make some noise about early on was adjusting the speed limits. And mm. I thought, wouldn't it be... You know, I sympathise with that. It seems stupid to have a blanket speed limit that everybody breaks. Yeah. Um, or which, if they don't, creates a, a sort of bunching, which is, which is, can cause frustration and un, uh, sort of unhelpful traffic jams at yeah. sev- seventy mile an hour traffic jams. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? I do wonder. Uh, was she, I can't remember if she was talking about the seventy alone, or was she also talking about smart motorways and the, the variable? I think there was some. Yeah, smart yeah. motorway was was going to be. Yeah. Um, well and truly kiboshed, yeah. I think. It does strike me that there, mean, there could there is scope to have a conversation about it that yeah. I suspect we're never going to. No. And the other thing, of course, is that, that you know, 80 miles an hour rules 22 miles away across the channel mm. for the rest of the continent. It just seems, you know, for, for all our rugged individualism, it seems it seems a bit silly not to do what <laughs> not they to do. Not adopt that. Yeah. And, you know, we're building cars. 80% of the cars we build here we would like to think we'll wind up in on european roads mm. let's um let's let's have the same laws as they have yeah yeah wouldn't disagree and then very briefly actually we've, we've still got time would you believe uh yes our kingdom for an airfield we could do with a spot can we just uh photograph cars on yeah it's the thing that we so need don't we is is um places where you can put six cars in echelon and just drive along at at a sensible speed mm. Um, listening, sorry, not having any rubbish in the background, you know, power poles and, yeah. you know, trading estates and all the rest of it. And and without the photographer, you know, leaping up and down like he's on his mum's feather bed, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the country used to be full of them, even in, you know, when I arrived in this country a while ago, uh, you know, a few decades ago, there were more than there are now. And they, oh. it's because they, people use convenient runways as footings for industrial estates and so mm. on yeah so if anybody knows we'd love to hear yeah because what we really need is somebody with a large farm which includes a a, a disused preferably american airfield because oh, yeah. the runways are one longer of the, one of the triple a <laughs> what do they call them the a one of those a rated raf bases which That's are three run yeah the three runways next in, yeah it'd be perfect but ideal well if you uh if you know one you can Get in touch with us at autocar at haymarket.com. We are also at autocar.co.uk. We're on YouTube. We're on all the socials. Autocar is on digital subscription. And, of course, it is in shops and on subscription every week in print, as it has been since 1895. Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. We'll see you next week for Episode 9. Cheerio. Cheerio.